You're listening to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast, episode number 52. This is our first book club episode, and today we're featuring the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. In today's episode, we are talking all about this very special self-help slash business book. We are diving into its concepts like upper limiting, zone of genius versus zone of excellence, Einstein time. And listen, don't worry if all of this sounds like gibberish to you because you haven't read the book. There are still so many nuggets of wisdom in this episode. We cannot wait for you to hear it. So let's go, rock stars. Welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast with your hosts, wedding planner and educator Renee Dallow, and blogger and social media strategist Mindy Marzek. Listen in as they bring you the best, brightest, and most honest industry advice on the internet. Their mission is to help you wedding rock star work smarter, not harder. Hope you're ready, because it's time to rock your wedding biz. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Rock Your Wedding Biz Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. This is Mindy Marzek, and I'm joined, as always, by the lovely Renee Dallow. Hello. Hello. I'm here again. She's back. Every week. <laughs> for the 52nd <laughs> time in a row. Um, <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Renee? I'm good. Good. How are you? I'm good. You know, people, we get a lot of comments that people love that we just kind of like jump into the content. Yes. Which is so important. Like, that's one of the reasons why we started a podcast, because we felt like there was a lot of fluff in other business podcasts. Yes. But it also feels weird to me when I haven't talked to you in a while and I'm just like not asking you how you are. <laughs> well, I think I think the listeners, I think the audience would agree that they kind of want to know that we're doing OK at the yeah. very least. Right. Yes. So, so we're both I can say. Yeah, this week was busy, but I feel good. We're both doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. All right. With that out of the way, let's jump into <laughs> this week's topic. Mindy, uh, this is our first book club. This is our first book club episode, which is so exciting. It's something new that we're trying out. So we need your feedback. Let you guys mm -hmm. uh, let us know uh, if you enjoyed this concept of doing a book club. Uh, we're thinking that we might want to try it every few months. Yeah, not every month because I don't have unlimited time to read books. <laughs> yeah, same. Yes. Yeah, let us know if you enjoy it uh, and we can keep doing it. But so for our first book club selection, we chose The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And Renee, this was, you know, you planted the seed of this idea. Why did you choose this book? A few reasons, actually, for choosing this book. One, it was in my mind because Molly Mayhar mentioned it during Strategy this year, uh, during, sorry, Holiday Council this year, which is, um, you know, for those of you who listen to us regularly, you know, we did an episode with Molly um, at the end of last year talking about Holiday Council, which is like goal setting. And Molly mentioned that because she had had such a great year, she was dealing with her upper limiting problem. Mm. And I was like, what? what's that? Like, <laughs> the minute she said it, I was like, wait, I might have that. What's that? <laughs> also, I think I have everything. Like I'm the person who like, I'm constantly on WebMD. Like, do I have that? So <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's like medical or like business related. I'm like, maybe I have that problem. Right. So as soon as Molly said it, I jotted down the name of it. And then I remember saying something to you about it. And you were like, oh yeah, that's the same book that talks about Zone of Genius. And we had had Zone of Genius as our like on our master list of like podcast topics for a while. Right. So I thought, okay, well, all these things coming together mean I should read this book. 
but the upper limiting problem was really what kind of sparked my interest because I, it seemed to be something that I needed to know in this season of my life, you know? I agree. Let's uh, backtrack just a little bit and talk about the author, um, because I think it's important. As I started reading this book, uh, he talks about the upper limit problem Mm -hmm. and how to solve it. And I was just like, you know, who is this guy (laughs) to like (laughs) solve all my problems? So uh, Gay Hendricks is a psychologist, like legit psychologist. And he also teaches on psychology and counseling. And he's written something like 30 or 40 books. Uh, and his wife is also a, a doctor in the same field, I believe. This book was written about 10 years ago, 2009, mm-hmm. and has been around for a while. And, you know, I'm always very skeptical with these type of like business self-help books. And right. I think that's what this is. This is a mix of business advice and self-help. Yeah, it's a little woo-woo sometimes. A little bit. He seems like a spiritual guy. Yeah. It's not a religious book, but he seems no, like no. A, a a spiritual guy. And it's it's kind of the concept of meditation, which I do practice meditation every day. And I have for the last couple years to try to manage my anxiety. And it's the same sort of thing where you kind of take a moment to realize what where your actions come from and... Uh, why you act the way that you do and right. kind of saying a little mantra to bring you back to a place of grounding and focusing on breathing and things like that. So that's what this book is all about. And I think that it's important when you go into the book to realize like the guy is a legitimately a psychologist. Right. He's not just like some dude who's like, I have a good idea. Yeah. 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 So so let's let's talk about the upper limit problem. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the upper limit problem was so it was so interesting for me to read because I know I, I say like I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac in things, but I really was like, oh, I do that <laughs> the minute I read it. I think that we all do. Oh, well, that makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's of. why it's a problem. <laughs> right, right, right. That fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So um, I'm going to read from the book what the upper limit problem says, because uh, it really was the best summation of of what it is. The upper limit problem is our universal human tendency to sabotage ourselves when we have exceeded the artificial upper limit we have placed on ourselves. The upper limit problem is caused by a too low thermostat setting on our ability to achieve and enjoy our ultimate success. And it's something that I think probably a lot of people do to themselves without realizing it. Mm-hmm. And actually in the book, I love when books have examples. <laughs> and he talks about, I mean, this guy is a psychologist. He's a business coach. He's kind of combined the two things. He's available for hire if anyone has deep pockets and wants to solve their upper limit problem. But uh, he gives examples of coaching sessions where people come to him with problems And he uses his background to kind of bring out of the uh, person what is the actual problem. And it's one of those things that's as soon as I'm reading examples, I'm just like, oh, I do that. Oh, Oh, I I have that from my childhood. I have this idea from somewhere else. From my childhood. So here's the funny thing. So when I was in high school... I was probably unsurprisingly the president of the theater club. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's very on brand. 
Right. Very on brand for me. And um, so I was heavily involved with my theater. It was really the theater department, um, which is a whole other story that I won't get into. But I had a lot of the students had a lot of responsibility. We directed all the shows. We had a teacher, but she was um, she was elderly. And so for that reason, a lot of the actual like work got passed on to the kids, which was fine. I was like a, I was like a 40 year old, 15 year old. So I was fine. <laughs> yeah. Of course. It was again on brand. So at my at one point my mom became very involved in our in our shows. She was like the the mom chaperone of the sure. shows. Yeah, yeah. And it was my senior year of high school. I had been doing three shows a year, plus then working in the summers doing more shows for a year, for four years. And it was my senior year and it was the middle show of the year. And I said to my mom, as we were driving home from rehearsal one day, I said, I feel like I'm coming down with a cold. And she said, of course, you're coming down with a cold. You always get a cold right after you open a show. Mm. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, haven't you noticed? And I was like, no. She's like, yeah, you open a show. It's very successful. On the next day, you'll get a cold. Yeah. And and even in my 15-year-old self, I was like, that's crazy. And then we opened the show a week later, and I woke up the next morning with the cold, which made it harder for me to sing. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, oh, she's right. And until I read this book, I didn't really know that was an upper limit problem. I just thought that was my my body's way of like dealing with like stress. But it, that is my body's way of dealing with success, you know, in that moment yeah. at that time in my life to be like, oh, that was really successful. You're doing very well. Here, have a cold. Right. And I, after reading the book, kind of realized something similar, whereas I always get sick on vacation. <gasps> always. That's right. You know what? You do. I do. <laughs> when we went to Hawaii, I got a stomach bug. When I went to Jamaica, I got sun poisoning. Uh, when I went to the Bahamas several years ago, I got, I broke out in hives. I, I still don't know why to this day. And it's so funny because... I always stress out leading up to vacation. I'm sure mm-hmm. all of my self-employed business owners can relate to that. I'm yes. always rushing around trying to get ahead of the game so I can schedule blog posts and schedule social media posts and and catch up on my emails so that when I come back, they're not completely overwhelming. And my husband always says, are you actually going to be able to enjoy this vacation, you know, once we get there? And I'm like, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> we'll maybe. see. Or maybe, maybe I'll get high. Or maybe I'll break out in hives on day three. Uh, So, yeah, I always get sick on vacation. And part of me is like, well, I don't it's not like I want to get sick. Yeah. Am I am I really is this really my fault? Is it really something I can control? But it's definitely a really interesting concept to think about. (laughs) Right. And now that we've shared with you our innermost psyche, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, but I mean, it's true. So much in this book resonated with me about the upper limits, the reason that we upper limit ourselves. So in case you didn't know by these examples, you know, the upper limiting thing is, um, is your body, you know, your body, your psyche's way of sort of living out that thing where people say, well, if something good happens to you, then something bad has to happen right after. Like that's nature's way of balancing. It actually doesn't have to be that way. That's false. That's false thinking. Right. And just to give another example, the author uh, actually talks about how he had, his life was going pretty well. He had something good happen at work. And he started thinking about how his daughter, I think was away at summer camp Mm -hmm. and he immediately started worrying about, oh, is she having fun? Is she homesick? Uh, maybe I should call and check in on her. And yes. <laughs> so he called and they, I believe he called and they said, oh, no, she's fine. 
And he was just like, well, why did I do that to myself? Why, you know, I had a great day at work. Things are going really well. Everyone is happy. Why did my thoughts immediately turn to, oh, something bad must be happening to somebody? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because he gives these barriers, right? In the book, he says, basically, the upper limit comes from unconscious things that happened in our childhood, basically, like these right. these decisions that were made unconsciously as you navigate through your childhood, they become, you know, these barriers that you have to overcome in order to be able to express and enjoy the full measure of your success. So he says, like, the first barrier is like the false belief that we are all fundamentally flawed in some way. Right. Which right. is like such a, it's such a huge concept. But if you think about it, it's like, I was thinking about this with the book, like, again, from my childhood, like, I was not a great um, math student. Like, in my DNA, I am not, my brain does not do well with math. Like even as a very young child, I would get like a hundred percentile on my English writing tests and like 50% on math. Like the, the disparity was always huge. And I remember my mom being really frustrated one day with me and saying like, you're so smart in this. How can you be so stupid in that? Ooh. Yeah. She Yikes. was mad. Yeah. Yeah. But it stayed, I mean, I'm 42 and I'm still telling you this story. So like it stays with you, right? These, these things oh, yeah. that you get la this label. Right. And so when you think like, it's like a thing you don't think about all the time, but it stays in your body, right? This fundamental flaw. Yeah. And how many times have you as an adult just gone like, well, I'm bad with math, so I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I'm not oh, going to look constantly. at that. Yeah. I have, an, I have an accountant. I have a bookkeeper. <laughs> I make Joe double check my bank statements. Like I, I'm literally, I will invert numbers in my brain. Like uh, it's bad. I have to like double, triple, quadruple check client budgets and everything. But, but that comes from this long belief of like, well, that's just not what you're good at. Right. And this is kind of where I start to run into issues with this uh, upper limit concept and the, and just the fact that like believing something can make you overcome something. Cause we've talked right. before <laughs> about on, on this podcast, we've talked before about like how I have, I have anxiety and depression and I believe it's genetic. I, you know, I, there's a lot of evidence to point to it being genetic. Now I'm sure some of that is compounded by experiences from my childhood uh, and just experiences in my life. But I have a tough time believing that I can just say like, oh, that's my problem and I'm going to get over it. And he does talk in the book that some of these issues might take a very long time, like decades to right. work out. But identifying them is the first step in that. Right. He does a lot of like, here's how I here's how to identify, but not necessarily like here's how to solve. It's sort of right. like if you want to solve it, you probably need one on one help, which I don't disagree with. I'm I'm very pro therapy, of course. So like like, yeah, he says the third barrier is the false belief that we are a burden in this world. If we carry this feeling inside of us, we sabotage our success so that we won't be a bigger burden. Well, that's true. But there's no there's no working that out within this book, right? So it's not going to solve everything. But I think it's what you said. It's acknowledging. Oh, wait, I do that. Yeah, let me I do that. Let me go talk to a professional about how I can uh, not not do that. <laughs> yeah, this was one that resonated with me a little bit. He says the second barrier to the upper limiting problem is the false belief that by succeeding, we are being disloyal to to and leaving behind people in our past. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's pretty common uh, among self-employed people. And I want to say people in my industry, blogging and people in the wedding industry, 
they look at their peers and they don't want to appear more successful than their peers. And so they will self-sabotage their own success so they don't show up someone else. And that definitely can come from, you know, some type of childhood issue, especially if siblings are involved, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It says we sabotage our success because we think it's disloyal to our roots to soar too far into the stratosphere. Isn't that strange? Uh, It's so true, though. It's It's true. true. Yeah. And then the fourth one is actually uh, similar to what you just said. The fourth barrier is the false belief that we must dim the bright lights of our brilliance so that we won't outshine someone in our past. Yeah, that's okay. Maybe that's the one I was thinking of uh, when I was thinking about the wedding industry. But to me, that's more like that's like directly related to siblings. And I think that's even the examples that they give where it's just like, oh, you know, sibling A is smarter than sibling B. So the parents downplay sibling A. So sibling B won't feel better. So sibling A grows up thinking that he or she can't become too successful because they're always going to get this kind of like reprimand from their their parents or their superiors for it. Right. Like everyone has to be even. Yes. Yeah. I don't have siblings, so I don't have that particular nuance. Yeah, I have I have two brothers who are much younger than me. So I, I essentially grew up an older child until I was about 10 years old. So I never mm-hmm. really had that that particular issue. But it's definitely something that a lot of people face, I'm sure. Yeah. And even within like larger families, like I know I've, I have that with some cousins, you know, definitely like. Oh, everyone's doing equally well. And it's like, well, that's not always true. (laughs) Some people are doing better than others, and that's fine. If you haven't read the book and you're still with us, thank you, because you don't have to have read the book. But I I think you should read the book because I think it's I think it's very interesting, even if it's not like the 100 percent like, you know, solve for all your issues, knowing the problems that prevent you from from having that or enjoying that success, the upper limit problem. You know, it's not like a one one size fits all, you know, solution. It's definitely like an ongoing process to sort of be to be able to kind of soar past those ghosts, those shadows, the old barriers. And so it's also like it's a a continuing journey always of transcending that upper limit that we've placed on ourselves. That's fictional. It's not it's not really there. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's ongoing. It's not something that you wake up one morning and be like, I'm going to overcome all my issues and live in my zone of genius. Yeah. But it's funny because when when Molly Mayhar first talked about it, uh, it was in the context of that she had had the best year ever, like her best year in her business. And she said, what I have to watch out for is my upper limit. And and I thought, oh, I, I've had the best year ever in my business. Like, I need to go in, investigate this and see if this is po- if this is happening. But I feel like now that I've read the book and I understand where my mindset might be, it's at least I'm well, I'm very aware of like, if I'm having that limiting thought or that limiting action to be like, uh, uh, uh don't do that. Or Think of it a different way. Reframe it. Try again. Start over. (laughs) I mean, that's great. And that's just from reading the book and not necessarily even working things out with uh, a professional or a coach. No, no professional has been involved thus far. (laughs) Thus far. Um, So let's go on to the zones because we keep talking about the zone of genius and it does tie into the upper limit problem. And so Gay Hendricks kind of puts all of our activities and our our ways of being into four zones and I think maybe just for this podcast we'll reference them just in a business sense does that are you okay with that okay totally so the four zones are the zone of incompetence Mm -hmm. the zone of competence the zone of excellence 
and the zone of genius. And what the author wants us to do is get to where we are overcoming our upper limit problem and we are only living in our zone of genius. It's a tall order. It's a tall order. <laughs> it really is. I mean, even reading it, I was like, that's great. That also sounds kind of exhausting, but it is actually the opposite. When you read the book, he says, when you're working in your zone of genius, you're doing the kind of work that you could do all day and never get tired. Right. Do you have something like that in your life? Like, can you identify what that is for you? You don't have to say what Uh, it is, but do you identify that? Yeah. I'll just say that I like thinking about how I'm the happiest when I'm working or what makes me the happiest or what fulfills me the most It's definitely Mm -hmm. when I'm doing some kind of coaching. Yeah. So either when I'm coaching as part of my Joy Social business and I'm coaching a business owner on how to use social media, or if I am getting an email from a bride who wants to get married at a Disney venue and has questions and needs help, I'm just like, yay, these are my favorite. (laughs) These are my favorite types of conversations. And I think I'm, I'm just by nature, I'm a helper. I'm a giver. Um, so that makes me happiest. Like the zone of incompetence is like answering emails. I'm so bad at it. (laughs) Or like another example is pitching to brands. You know, like if I want to work with a brand for my website or a sponsored Instagram post, I, I hate it. I just hate it so much. I just don't (laughs) feel good about myself when I'm doing it because that's just not, it's the nature of the business that I've chosen. So you have to do it. But I don't love it. So I would say those are my two extremes. Yeah, no, I I feel that. I feel like my zone of incompetence is, like we said, like the bookkeeping, the math, like all that Mm -hmm. stuff needs to go to someone else. Like I hire I hire out for that because I know better, Uh, especially I know better now in, in year six of my business or whatever, whatever year I'm in seven. I would say my zone of competence is like the emails. I feel like the emails take up so much time and that is my like daily work, although it is nothing that excites me. It's just the nature of the beast. I would say zone of excellence is like the doing of my actual job, like the running a wedding. Um, But I would say my zone of genius is similar to you in that what I kind of drilled it down to with working with the book was like teaching slash leadership. Right. Like I really love those nerdy business conversations where someone comes to me and says like, I'm having a problem that I can't figure out. And I'm like, well, let's dig in. Cause that's my favorite thing. Right. Yeah. 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 And we do that a lot in Tuesdays together, which is why I, I said like teaching slash leadership at last month's meeting, we basically just turned it into like, it became like a workshop scenario where we were just brainstorming with people in the group. Like what's your, what's going on with you? And we all just brainstormed together. And I was like, that was like thrilling for me. So yeah, that kind of stuff. It's fun. That, funny that ours are both similar, but not that in, not that surprising since we have a podcast. Yeah, where we teach and yeah. coach. Talk. And, yeah, talk. <laughs> um, can I yeah. just give an example from the book that I really liked that I think will will kind of hammer home this idea for some people who might still be a little confused? In the book, the author gives an example of someone he was coaching, and this particular business owner, just to set the background was a coach himself and he charged something like a thousand dollars an hour for coaching session like this is a very successful business owner and the story is that he bought a new printer and he could not get it connected he just couldn't set it up and he (laughs) i think in the book like he spent like 14 hours or something like that like a full day 
uh, on the phone with tech support and reading tutorials online and trying to get his printer hooked up like this super successful businessman. And he finally gave in and hired someone who set it up in less than an hour and he paid the person like $150. So this guy who charges $1,000 an hour for his time spent 14 hours trying to (laughs) install a printer. And I was, when I read that example, I was just like, this is my life. I do this all the time. I'm constantly trying to do things that are in my zone of incompetence because I'm either too cheap to hire it out, too lazy to look up how to, you know, get it done, you know, read a manual, too stubborn to to say that, you know, after a couple hours to say that I'm going to give up on it. And this is this is an upper limit problem. Yeah. Funny. I love that example. That was the perfect example, right? So hopefully that that helps everyone out there who hasn't read the book who was just like, what does that even mean? If you are if you're a coach who's charging $1000 an hour, don't waste your time on installing technology no just hire a person just Just hire hire a person the other example in the book uh which is more about time management there's this there's this principle in the book about einstein time which which we'll get to in a second one of the stories uh in the book is about this uh woman who is um she's an author she's a wife and a mother and she's written one book but it hasn't been a huge success but it's been published and she's attempting to write another book and she's just cannot get it done. She cannot get her writing done. And so she goes to meet with the author and she says, I have, you know, can you, I need some coaching. I don't know what's wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm just really blocked. I can't write this book. And he said, well, tell me how you spend your day. And he, she outlined her day for him. And it was basically like, get up, get the kids out to school, get my husband out to work, clean the house for a few hours. If there's time, write for an hour or two. If there's not, just take a nap and try to write later. Then when the kids come home, get the kids, get do homework. And it was, everything was kids and husband and house. Mm -hmm. And her writing became like fourth on the list. And he said to her, are you meaning to have your writing be the fourth most important thing in your life. And she's like, no, I mean, it it would be right after my husband and kids. And he's like, it would be on top of the housework, wouldn't it? And she's like, of course it would be. And he's like, then why aren't you putting it on top of the housework? Mm -hmm. And it's such a simple thing, but I know myself, I'm always in a struggle with time. I never have enough time. I'm not, things take too long. I'm not productive enough. I'm constantly beating myself up that I'm not working as fast as I can or getting as much done as I can. And I take on all these projects and, and I think about it and like, what else am I putting before any of these things sometimes, right? Sometimes it is like, well, I have to load the dishwasher. Why? Yeah. Why right now? Why right now? And, and he said, she never saw me again after that. She called me a few times to say like, it's going well. He's like, but sometimes it literally is that simple. Look at your day. Look at how you are putting your own life in priorities order. And then figure out if that's really what you want to be doing. Cause you know, she said, I'm not really in a position to hire a cleaning person. And that's not really the problem. The problem is doing it first, right? Right. Like if what you really want to do is lose weight, get up and work out first. Right. I'm saying that to myself because that's something <laughs> I'm working on. Get up and work out first, Renee. Well, the thing that I really like about that particular example or, or one other aspect of it that I want to mention is I believe, if I remember correctly, that she, you know, he asked, like, why do you put the cleaning first? And I think she said something like, well, I don't want my husband and kids to come home to a messy house and I don't want my husband to be upset about that. And he, I think he said... Well, would your husband be mad if he came home to a messy house, but you got three hours of writing done? And she said, oh, no, he'd be thrilled. 
Yeah. He said, how would it feel for your husband to come home to creatively fulfilled wife? Yes. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. And, and, you know, she probably never talked to him about it. No. She just made these assumptions as part of her upper limit problem. Exactly. Yeah, I actually, just as a side note, I, I, cause I like to read before bed and I actually had to stop reading this book before bed because I would lay in bed awake and be like, oh my God, I do all these things. <laughs> what is wrong yeah, with I me? I read this one during the day. I read this one during the day for that reason. <laughs> I started reading it at night and then I was like, cause it, there's a lot of parts of the book where it's like fill in the blank. And so I would take out a piece of paper and start doing the work. And I was like, Joe's asleep and I'm like scribbling furiously on a piece of paper. I was like, this isn't working. Yeah. This is a daytime read. It is a daytime read. <laughs> it is. <laughs> what do you think about the concept of Einstein time? Uh, so this is again, this is a section I didn't 100% understand. I know I read it twice and I was still like, wait, what? <laughs> this is this is what I think that it is. It's the concept that time rules us and really we should be ruling time. And to me, it's more like, you know how they how people have that saying that says like, we all have the same number of hours in the days as Oprah has or Beyonce has. So like, why aren't you? Beyonce? Doing Oprah level work. Yeah. Why aren't you right. doing Beyonce level output? I think I think that's kind of the concept here. So the idea and one of the things that I did understand from that section is the concept of using these limiting language when it comes to time. So saying like, I would love to do that, but I'm so busy. Or if there were only more hours in the day, I could right. get that done. Right. And it's more of a, I mean, time is time. It exists however we want to look at it. It's more just like, how do we want to use the time that we're given? Are we going to complain about that we have so much work to cram into a certain amount of time? Or are we going to look at our work and figure out how to get it done in the amount of time that we have? Right. What What do you think? <laughs> it's interesting because like I said, time is one of my things. Like I, I think a lot about my own time management. I read a lot about time management and productivity. He has a in, in the in the Einstein time uh, chapter, you know, he says, if you switch to Einstein time, then we take charge of the amount of time we have. We realize that we uh, we are where time comes from. So we embrace this liberating insight. Since I'm the producer of time, I can make as much of it as I need. And that's the thing that I'm like, huh? Because time is time. But but I understand the thinking on it is just like, I have as much time for everything I need to get done feels better than, oh my God, there's never enough time to finish. Right. Mm -hmm. We have to, he says, we have to quit thinking that time is quote unquote out there. And it's just, this is something I'm going to have to like wrap my brain around and, and think about and work on for a bit because I think I need this concept. It's just really, it's really esoteric for me. Um, but he also has an interesting, like, take on the the persona like our personas of time like a time cop versus a time slacker like like my mother is a huge time cop like my entire life it'd be like 15 minutes so we have to leave 10 minutes so we have to leave five minutes so we have to leave to the point now where if joe does that to me i'm like you need to stop i don't care <laughs> yeah we will leave when i when we're leaving like i i can't have it it is an interesting i feel like that chapter is going to be re reread by me a lot I also think that's, that's a thing that, you know, entrepreneurs do face a lot, like this concept of like how we're using our time. Are we productive enough? Um, you know, the badge of being busy. I'm, I'm a, 
you know, that's one of my things for sure that I work on constantly is like, I don't really want to say when people ask, how are you busy? But sometimes it's just true. And I, I like struggle between being super authentic and saying, honestly, like, yeah, I'm busy or just picking a new word that doesn't quite have that same feeling to it, you know? Right. And I think that is part of the how this ties into the different zones. Yeah. Uh, and how if you are in a position to hire out for your zones of incompetence and competence and even your zone of excellence at some point, then all you're doing is the things in your zone of genius and all of a sudden time doesn't feel so constraining Mm -hmm. anymore because you're happy with everything that you're doing and you're satisfied with everything that you're doing. I have a lot of tasks in my day-to-day life that I can't, I I have to do them even though I don't like them. And then (laughs) time, time feels like a burden. Like it just, I feel like I just have to get these done and I'm not doing the things that I really want to be doing. And so this is part of my, again, going back to kind of like where I have issues with these types of books where I feel like it definitely comes from a place of privilege for someone to say well just you know change the way that you look at time and do less (laughs) in you know do more in less time and it's like what are you talking about like you know this is for people who can hire a team or who are able to hire you know hire things out to people or something like it just it feels like a privileged a viewpoint that not everyone can obtain. Oh, for sure. I mean, and not to be tangential, but like, have you, you've read the four hour work week, right? I have. And that's the similar. I mean, that whole book was like, just work four hours, hire people to do the rest. And I'm like, okay, that's really what this book is. I was kind of shocked because someone handed it to me like, this is going to change your life. And I was like, I'm ready. And then I read it and I was like, so you're telling me to hire people for everything. Huh? It's it's they're very similar. It's very similar with these different zones of like where you should be putting your time and what you're good at and you should be focusing on what you're good at. But it's a lot easier said than done to get to the end goal. And I think that both both of those books are, are, you know, The Big Leap and The Four Hour Work Week are great examples. They're both worth reading to get like the little like aha moment of, oh, if I didn't watch so much reality TV. Yeah, I would have more time to work in my zone of genius, which makes me the most money. And then I can hire out for the things I don't like. You know what I mean? Yeah, like for it's sure. that type of pattern. You know, what was one of my favorite parts of this book. Um, I really liked the ultimate success mantra. Oh, yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Like I know you meditate and I it's a constant struggle that I always say I should meditate and then I never do. <laughs> but he calls it. the So it's the USM, which is the ultimate success mantra. And um Basically, it's just this one sentence. I expand in abundance, success, and love every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. So I put it on a little post-it on my computer and I put it on a little post-it in the bathroom. So I'm I'm around it during the day. Um, have you used this at all in your in your meditations? I haven't, but it's I the concept is very similar in the meditation that I do, which is I do the daily calm app meditation it's a 10 minute meditation I do it in the morning first thing or else I won't get it done and they in that they have what they call loving kindness meditation Mm -hmm. which is the same sort of idea like you give your you give yourself a little pep talk and I feel like this is the same thing I expand in abundance success and love every day and I inspire those around me to do the same and it's one of those things that's just like if you say it 
over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, think Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And people like me. Uh, it's, it's, if you say, you just say it to yourself and you ultimately start to believe it. And it becomes one of those mantras where when you are realizing you're having an upper limit problem or you're about to get in an argument or you're about to feel your temper or you're about to feel mm -hmm. your anxiety flare up, you can say, you can return to this comfort mantra to remind yourself what you are really, what's your ultimate goal in life. Yeah. I like what he says here, um, which I highlighted on my Kindle. Uh, he says the USM directly counters the upper limit problem, which is based on instructions from long ago to contract or to hold yourself in check. The USM is the antidote to years of conditioning, the ancient programming that convinced you, your unconscious mind, that you don't deserve full success. This is my favorite part. I want you to mount a gentle but unstoppable offensive against that conditioning. And the universal success mantra is the best way I've found to do that. It does make a lot of sense. And again, I always return back to, you know, use this as a stepping point and it's probably not going to solve all your problems without additional guidance and outside help. Right. But you have to start somewhere and these little, these little mantras, you know, these gentle reminders to yourself every day is a great beginning. Yeah, I just I love that gentle but unstoppable offensive. I like that. It's, I'm going to Yeah, it sounds so powerful. Yeah, it makes me feel strong. So, in conclusion, how did we feel about The Big Leap? Yeah, I definitely think it's a book that every business owner should read. Uh I definitely again will say you just kind of have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Like there's definitely this is definitely a good place to start. It's definitely a good place to analyze your thinking and your behaviors. Uh, obviously, this guy, again, is a psychologist. So when he talks about the examples of coaching in his book, it makes sense why he's able to make these breakthroughs right. <laughs> with people who have a problem. So if you really find yourself with a big problem, I do encourage people to talk to a professional about it. Mm -hmm. But I really, and I also, the four zones, I think that it's really important. The book goes into those in more depth. Yeah. They uh, have a lot of examples of the different zones. And I think that it's definitely something to strive for getting out of the zone of incompetence and realizing when you're knee deep in the zone of incompetence, like the printer guy, <laughs> so that you can get right. out of it sooner. Right. Instead of beating yourself up about it, you're just like, oh, hey, I'm in my zone of incompetence. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then uh, the mantra at the end, uh, I, I'll just say it again because I love it so much. Yeah. I expand in abundance, success, and love every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. Love it. I think there's a lot to gain from this book and it's a great place where if you feel like if any of this, if you haven't read the book and any of this sounds familiar to you, like, oh, I have these issues, you know, get the book, give it a read. Yeah, it's a pretty easy read. Don't read it before bed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't read it before bed. Yes. You'll think a lot of things. Uh, but yeah, I, I recommend it. How about you? So I really loved it. Um, I agree with you that there are some moments of like obvious privilege and obviously some things can't be, you know, not everything can be fixed by changing your thinking. But for me, the upper limit problem was really eye opening because, um, you know, the thing about upper limiting is that once you hit a goal and you once you start, you set a goal and then you achieve it, then your upper limit changes, right? Because like you're always going to set new goals. And so the upper limit thing is never really going to go away. 
because right. we're hopefully we're always setting bigger and more amazing goals and then we're reaching them. So that's the thing that I was like, I need to dial dial that in for myself. It's funny because I can look at my past self and think and look at places where I've done that sabotage and not enjoying and 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 I see it sort of getting better as I'm getting older and achieving more and more success, which I'm very happy about. But I can also now say like, I have a firm handle on what I should be looking for. And that makes me feel great because it's like you at least know, you know, the first, like we said, the first step in fixing it is knowing that you're even doing it. And so for that, I think this book is amazing. I also, obviously, I agree with you hundred percent about the zones. Like it's so much more powerful to know what zone you're in. And so you're not beating yourself up or you're not, or when things are really flowing, it's not like a mistake or an accident. Like, oh, that's my zone of genius. Right. So just like so much knowledge in this book and so much self-awareness, which I think is so key for a business owner. So yeah, I recommend it. Um, despite those two little hiccups that we mentioned, um, I really do recommend it. And if you haven't read it yet, we'd say, go pick it up. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link in our Instagram profile. It takes you right to it. I just think it's good for everyone. It's not super businessy. That's the thing. It's more, it's more in the self-help uh, realm, but it directly does relate to everything we're doing in our business. So Right. And the examples that he gives when he's talking about his coaching clients, they're usually business owners. I mean, he talks a lot about CEOs of big companies and authors, as you mentioned. So it is a weird mix of business and <laughs> self-help, but I would say it's definitely more in the self-help section. But yeah, I think that definitely all business owners should read it and see how they can apply it to their business. And if you guys read it, we obviously want to hear your thoughts on the book and what you felt about it. What if you, you don't have to get too personal, but did you uncover anything? Did you realize mm -hmm. anything? You can talk about the different zones. So please come to our Facebook Rock Your Wedding Biz Podcast Insiders. We'll have a thread going where people can leave comments. Yes. And uh, if you didn't read the book, come and let us know how, uh, how this book sounds to you. If you uh, enjoyed this episode of our book club, our first book club episode. Uh, even if you didn't read the book, let us know what you thought of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anything else you want to tell us, come to the Facebook group. Yeah. And if you guys enjoyed it, we'll do it again and we'll pick a new book. Uh, TBD, don't know what that's going to be yet, but we want to hear from you your feedback because, of course, this podcast is for you, our lovely listeners, which, by the way, thank you all for the lovely reviews lately. Um, someone called me their spirit animal, which was amazing. And uh, just the other day, someone said, make a great duo, which I loved. Oh, yes. Like, we should start a band. Just kidding. We, sh we should. This you can be the singer. Is, is our band. This is a band. Yeah, this, this is, is, is this is it. This is all. This is all we got. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for the reviews. They're very, very sweet. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, so keep the reviews coming. And we'll see you next week. We will see you guys on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This episode is sponsored by Moxie Bright Events, wedding planning for creative couples and industry education for creative event planners. Also sponsored by Joy Social, teaching smart social media strategies for awesome business owners. You can find Renee online at moxiebrightevents.com and reneedallow.com. You can find Mindy online at joysocial.net. Jump into the show notes at rockyourweddingbiz.com and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Wedding Biz. <laughs>